Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day and welcome to The Call on this Monday. Ten stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It is Monday the 16th of May. I'm Andrew Gagan. Good to have you along for the ride. Our two experts on today's show, David Novak from Wealthwise Education and Howard Coleman from Team Invest. Gentlemen, welcome to a Monday after what was a wild ride last week. David, how are you, uh, how are you coping at the moment with all this volatility? <laughs> I'm fine, actually. I, I went to 50% cash before the drop. So um, I'm looking around now for uh, bottom fishing, we call it. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I've had my portfolio structured for this opportunity. So uh, there's a lot of bargains out there at the moment. And there's a couple that we're going to talk about today. That's yeah. Sure. So you, you see a buying opportunity now or I mean, this volatility likely well, to continue, of course. So when do you actually buy in? That's the question. That's a really good question at yeah. the moment. So you've got to be very selective here. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of technical damage in our market, and particularly overseas, although we're down, the ASX 200 has only been down about 9% compared to the S&P, which is down 16%, and the NASDAQ much worse, about mm. 24%. So, so there are, you know, we're, we're holding up quite well. We, you know, we, we weren't, uh, we're not overpriced like the overseas markets have been. So there's, there's fantastic opportunities out there, that, especially in the resource sector and energy sector. That's where I see some great opportunities. Um, and, you know, healthcare as well, you know, so there's, there's a whole, this, these are the kind of opportunities that I like, but you've got to be very selective and wouldn't go in guns all blazing at the moment. Right. You just be a bit cautious. I don't think the inflation outlook is going to be the major issue going forward. It's more now the market's concerned about growth, mm. the growth mm. outlook of the global economy. Yep. So. Okay. Well, I'm expecting a couple of buys from you then, if that's the case today. Yeah. Well, you, <laughs> you never know. You love. All right. Uh, Howard, interesting to get your view then. Obviously, where we've been, but uh, so David's saying was 50% cash there. What are your cash levels like? Oh, I never keep very much in cash. Timing the markets. Uh, not something that I regard myself as an expert at. I'm an expert, I think, in uh, my circle of competences in picking great businesses to be in for the very long term. So uh, I've got some cash, but not a huge amount, and I was deploying some uh, last week. But um, times like this are a wonderful opportunity for long-term investors, because although it's logical and only natural that unprofitable companies and companies that make very little in the way of profit come tumbling down and we've seen on the NASDAQ some of these uh, stories that are not really businesses but that are listed on the NASDAQ losing 80-85% of their value. The beautiful thing about it is it tends to, not to the same extent, but it tends to hit great businesses as well. So the great businesses may only drop 5-10-15% in price instead of the uh, virtually being wiped out like happens to the junk. But it does mean you get to buy great businesses cheaper than you got to buy when everything was smooth and wonderful on the stock market. 
Um, I, you know, having lived through periods of very high inflation, um, they wonderful opportunities if you're in the right businesses. Because if a business has pricing power, it tends to do better during times of high inflation. On the other hand, if you invested in businesses that don't make profits or have no pricing power, they're price takers, um, they're a terrible place to be when inflation is rising. So, yeah, I, I think it's great fun and mm. uh, please mm. more, more of the same. All right, well, let's see if you've got any buys today with the 10 stocks plus our stock of the day. In fact, our first five off the rank will be Event Hospitality and Entertainment, Blackmore's Harvey Norman, Intertech Pivot and carsales.com. And our stock of the day is Goodman Group. That is the integrated commercial and uh, industrial property group. It owns, develops, manages real estate. It uh, has come up with an update. Uh, it's expecting to pay a 30 cent a share dividend at the end of this financial year, confirming operating earnings are up, growing 23% uh, per share, despite concerns over COVID restrictions impacting supply chains and inflating costs. Uh, the company is expected to have more than $70 billion in works in progress by the end of June. Now, shares popping into the green this morning after uh, taking a hit last week, currently up about 1.9% at this point. In fact, we've got to view a question about this. Uh, Steve wanted to know, saying Goldman Sachs has a target of $25. And at the time of writing, well, in fact, at the moment, it is $20. With their rise in rental returns and cash flow and 12-ish billion invested in development works in progress uh, from the uh, half-year results. Do the experts see this as a long-term play in the REIT sector? David, what are your thoughts on Goodman? Uh, look, it is a quality uh, company. It's certainly got quality assets and 68 uh, billion funds under man management, plus their update this morning is very uh, positive, the 23% earnings per share growth. So it ticks a lot of boxes. I mean, the, the yield is not great on this. I'd, I'd like to see them pay out more. Uh, if you look at the yield right now, from what I can see, it's 1.5% unfranked. They've got a very lowly, lowly geared balance sheet of only about 7%. Um, but, you know, they're a solid company, 99% occupancy. They've got $13.4 as they reported this morning, in development in the pipeline. So it ticks a lot of boxes. The, the, the chart doesn't look great. And, you know, I'm, I'm a chartist as well as a I follow the fundamentals, but the chart you can see there looks pretty horrible. Uh, it fell off a cliff. So look, I could see a bit of a little bit of a technical bounce here, but there's look, there's no rush for me. I would not be rushing in to buy Goodman, but if you're taking a longer term perspective, I can't see any problems to uh, accumulate down here. But um, for me, it's, uh, it's not a buy, it's a hold if you've got it. Mm. Um, and particularly given that update this morning, but I'd like to, like I said, uh, I'd like to see them pay out more of a dividend, uh, increase that yield to double would be more than double, because especially with inflation, they've got some hedge in place at the interest rates, 84% hedged is what I read. So that's pretty good if we have higher, like we're seeing now, higher rates. Um, but yeah, look, uh, technically it's mm. not a buy for me, but if you've well, got what sort it, of Is there a particular price you'd have in mind if, um, as a buyer, or is it more than sort of the fundamentals of the company at this point? No, the fundamentals are solid. It's more about the tec technical aspect. Mm. I look for a change of sentiment and trend, yep. and uh, that's certainly not showing on the chart right now. So what I'm saying is, uh, for me, there's no rush to go in and buy this stock. And plus, it, it, you know, it's what choices do you have out there? Uh, you know, it, it's like that I can find that a better yeah. in terms of yield 
and growth as well. So, but if you're in the REIT sector, you know, if you really, that's a sector you like, mm. uh, this is a solid company and they've got overseas earnings um, with the Aussie dollar being low, so that's beneficial for Goodman. But um, yeah. All right, so it's a hold from you. Howard, your thoughts? Yeah, um, I would regard this as by far the best uh, company in its sector listed on the ASX. Um, it's got very high return on equity, it's got low debt, its earnings are growing, and it certainly has over the last decade or so been the best managed uh, company in its field. So if you want to own a REIT um, or a company in the property management and development space like they are, this is definitely the company to be in. As David says, dividend yields low, but you know they're using that money very well indeed in terms of their return on equity. Most REITs have a return on equity less than 10%. This has not been below 10% uh, for several years, and it's generally in the mid-teens. Uh, I was just looking across my other screen there. Um, so uh, if you want to own a REIT, this is it. But we must remember two things. On the one hand, inflation is going to mean that rents they receive will be going up, which is great, terrific for earnings per share. But inflation going up means interest rates will go up, which means the value of the properties they own will be going down. Now, if they don't want to sell any of the properties, that doesn't really matter. But if they are looking to recycle some of that money, they're going to get lower prices for properties they sell than they would have got if interest rates were lower. So, uh, you know, I think it looks really terrific. Um, love the fact that David thinks the chart looks terrible from a technical point of view, because that means you could be buying it cheaper. Um, but I don't think it's all that cheap at the moment, but it's certainly uh, getting pretty close to being uh, in bargain stages. So uh, mm. uh, I would say, uh, you know, if you can get it on a couple of days when there's negative sentiment and you get it in perhaps starting with an 18 instead of a 19, you'd probably be very happy indeed. All right. So not a buy quite yet, though, but if it goes lower, it is for you. Yeah, definitely. Yep. All right. Great. That is Goodman Group. All right. Well, let's uh, get into the stocks as picked by you. The first one, event, hospitality and entertainment. Uh, In fact, it owns the largest cinema circuits in Australia, New Zealand and Germany. You'd know them by event cinemas and Greater Union here. Uh, the half year ended uh, last year. It uh, had group revenue of almost 55 percent higher than the the year, the corresponding period. Um, now I don't know about you guys, but I actually I haven't. I don't think I've been in the cinema for about two years since, since the outbreak of the pandemic. However, my kids have. So it's interesting to see where these trends are developing right now. So Howard, your thoughts then on event hospitality and entertainment. Yeah, Andrew, like you, I haven't been to the cinema for ages. Uh, in fact, uh, looking at the stocks of the day, I suddenly thought, gosh, we haven't been to the cinema for a long time. Um, but looking at it, you know, in, in 10 years, it's only had four of the 10 years where its return on equity was more than 10%, which means it's not a great business. And its earnings per share, even pre-COVID, were going nowhere. The earnings per share weren't really growing much um, pre-COVID. Um, total earnings were growing, but they often had more shares. So um, very hard for me to get enthusiastic. It's got quite a lot of debt as well, not a, an 
unsustainable amount, but more debt than we like when we look at our filters. So a fairly quick answer from me is that it's a no. Too many things that it strikes out on. You really only want about 20 companies in your portfolio, maybe 25. Um, and this certainly wouldn't come anywhere close to rating as one of the best 25 on the market. Mm, okay. David, you been to the flicks recently? No. Um, well, I have actually, uh, no, I should say I have, uh, but not to one of the right. events similar. I've been to the Cremorne Orpheum, which is a lovely old theatre. Yeah. But look, the, the, with event, it's not just an event. Obviously, there's a recovery story in terms of people coming back to the cinema, but they've got a fantastic property portfolio of $2 billion. So, you know, if you look at their market cap of $2.4 billion, um, they've got some really quality assets here, like the State Theatre, Gowings in Sydney, George Street. They've got, like, really, um, Ridges Hotel Group um, in, in, in Sydney, Melbourne, and, and I think Brisbane as well. So they've got a really um, quality portfolio of assets here. So, again, if, um, you know, we have inflation, as uh, Howard was pointing out before, then you'll expect... Um, rental returns to go up or, you know, the, particularly the, if you're looking at uh, not so much rental but on their hotel portfolio, um, you'd expect if tourism comes back to Australia, well, that'll increase as well. So, look, um, <clears throat> if you've got it, it's a hold. It's not a screaming buy for me. Um, you know, I'd like to see their recovery in, in people coming back to the cinema. So I'd, I'd wait to have a look at their next um, update, which would be probably um, August. So, um, yeah, I'd look at the annual result uh, in August and then review it. But look, it's, um, you know, it's not a screaming buy right now, but if you've got it, you might want to continue holding it. But mm. I like their property portfolio. It's a really... Mm. Yeah, that's quality, an interesting point to make. Real quality uh, portfolio of assets there. All right, that is event hospitality and entertainment. Our next one, Blackmore's. Uh, it is Health Supplements, uh, releasing its half-year results back in February, reported strong growth across the business. Now, Brad saying, I keep losing out on Blackmores. He says, I've held it uh, since around $90. It's been a sad ride down. And David, he says that you keep talking about stop losses a fair bit, wondering what your advice is from here, particularly in this market. Well, you know, Blackmores, um, you know, they were uh, this time last year or just a little bit later, actually July, August last year was a, was a good buy. Technically, it went up, to, you know, from about where it is now, it went up to about... Uh, well, hundred dollars, and then um, it was get out of get out at around ninety five was the stop loss on this. You could see that that sharp drop there. You can see that the most recent one in February that was after their result update. Um, so that's why that uh, they fell down. So right now, look, their earnings, are, um, you know, they've had some positive growth in Australia, and New Zealand, but it's still the China story that's still lagging. Um, and there's no, the, for me, there's no rush to, to, to buy this stock at the moment, just uh, given the, um, the, the lack of growth here, I, you know, unless uh, they open up, you know, they, again, with China being under lockdown as well, mm. if they get back into that market, well, then it's a different story. But you can see it's really going nowhere or hasn't been going anywhere for the last three, four years there. Um, so the stop loss, you know, to answer the viewer's question was really, um, you know, Definitely uh, uh, below 90, just under 95. And right now, I can't see any reason to be to jumping into it right now. I mean, it's really, to me, not showing any signs of, you know, growth, uh, mm. it, well, especially in China. And, um, you know, the chart's not a buy. It's certainly not saying to me it's a buy right now. And if you did buy it, you'd have a stop below $70. And that's the point of stop losses. It's to limit your downside. Yeah. 
Because one thing I've learned in 35, nearly 40 years in the markets is, you know, you've got to have an exit strategy, unless you're a, a very long-term investor, it depends on what kind of investor you are. Um, I don't like to hold stocks that are going down. Mm. That's uh, my, my lesson. Well, you must um, be pretty busy at the moment then with your stop losses. Well, I got out, like I said, I, I saw there's a lot of signs in the market were topping yeah. out at 76. Uh, if you look at the charts, there was a major what we call triple, mm. triple top resistance up at that level. Yep. And then you could see what's going on in the US market and you know, geographically and with inflation and all the other stuff that was going on. I mean, you know, you knew there was a get, it was easy to tell there was going to be a correction coming. So it was mm. wise mm. to take some money off the table. Yeah. Howard, um, well, given your, you, you always look at the long term, I'm, I'm not imagining then mm. that stop losses are a huge uh, play for you. No, you know, um, you want to understand a small number of companies exceptionally well. And if you understand them really well and you know they're a great business, um, when the share price drops, the last thing you want to do is sell it. You want to actually buy more of this great company. I mean, that's what Buffett does. He's constantly buying more of anything that he knows is a great business when its share price comes down. Now, on that basis, you can only know a small number of companies. You're not going to know two, three hundred. And fortunately, with our software conscious investor, we know which ones to look at. And that remains a relatively small pool of about 50 to 60 companies on the ASX. But coming back to Blackmores, I think I should say to start with to viewers, I do own it. Um, I bought it when it was about a bit under $20 and I've owned it ever since. So I've done really well out of it. I've had a lot of money in dividends over the years. Um, the share price today is what probably four and a half times what I paid for it, it was at one stage a lot more, um, but I've done particularly well. If we look at the business, the business itself um, became for a short period very dependent on China. That's no longer the case. The rest of Asia is now bigger for Blackmores than China. They make more money out of the rest of Asia than they make out of China. And that excludes India, which is a new market that they've gone into, rest of Asia being Korea, Taiwan, um, uh, Malaysia, Singapore. And Indonesia is growing really rapidly and they're now starting to get into India. Australia and New Zealand has become smaller than the rest of Asia and China may or may not one day become very big for them. But it's not really much of a China story anymore. China's relatively unimportant in the long term to them. Um, so I look at this business and I say there's so much growth happening in the rest of Asia. Indonesia is growing rapidly and it's got a very big population. They're now getting a toehold in India and that looks like it could really, really grow. So in the long term, I'm very positive about this company. But having bought a factory, which is a lot of equity tied up in a factory, their return on equity is reduced. They're no longer only a marketing company. They're both marketing and manufacturing. And there's been strife uh, between the uh, new chair on the board and their biggest shareholder, Marcus Blackmore. Now, all of those are very negative. You know, when the biggest shareholders disagreeing with the chair of the company, um, the chair of the company would usually be wise, wise to listen to the biggest shareholder, but the chair of this company doesn't. So that's not a good sign. Um, so the business looks great. I'm not that comfortable with the board of the company, but uh, at the moment I've still held it. So for me, it would probably be a hold at this stage, wouldn't be a buy. Okay, all right, that is Blackmores. Let's move on to a retailer that would be Harvey Norman. Evie wanting to know about this. In fact, its shares or hit a low 
uh, 52 week low back in January before going up and it's since come back down again. Um, so Howard, uh, given the macro sort of background at the moment, um, Harvey Norman, how do you see this particularly going forward? Yeah, it ticks quite a few boxes. I mean, its return on equity has been more than 10% for the last seven years. Um, We'd prefer it to be 10 years, but at least it's the last seven. Their earnings have been growing. They obviously got a huge boost from the pandemic, which did the world of good to anybody selling things that were going to be in a home and uh, technology particularly. But, uh, you know, when you're spending more time at home, you decide to make your home look nicer inside. Um, And um, it's got very little debt. So... Overall, uh, its numbers look really, really terrific. Now, will they be able to repeat the superb growth that they had during the pandemic? Probably not. Will their earnings go down to pre-pandemic levels? Almost certainly not. So it'll probably be somewhere in between. Now, on that basis, their current PE is about seven, which is exceptionally low. Now, you don't often get to buy a company that's got all its metrics looking good at a low PE like this. So even if you assume that its earnings go back to say halfway between pre-pandemic and pandemic levels, it's still on a very, very undemanding PE of somewhere around about 10 or 11. So with a share price drop where it is at the moment, um, I would suggest that it's uh, definitely a buy. I don't own it. Um, I've never been terribly happy with the fact that uh, Jerry Harvey um, takes very little notice about what other shareholders think. Um, But having said that, he's done very well for his shareholders over the years, but it's just a matter of principle for me that I don't like that attitude, so I don't own it. But uh, it ticks all the boxes, and I think there'd be a few Team Invest members who do own this. All right. Okay, so it's a buy from you, David. Yeah, look, I, I, there's a lot of things I agree with Howard on this one. It really is a quality retailer and, you know, they paid off half a billion dollars in debt during COVID. You know, it's amazing. The results that they, who would have thought, was one of their best years in the middle Job of the JobKeeper may have helped a little. Exactly. Well, people went out on a spending spree, that's, what, yeah. that's for sure. And, and Harvey Norman sort of benefits. So their balance sheet is incredibly strong. And plus, they've got a great portfolio of um, property uh, in, internationally and, and here of about three and a half billion when you look at their market cap valuation at 5.6 billion. So more than half of that is in their property assets. But their cash flows have been incredibly strong. You know, reported profit after tax, 430 million for the half year. So, you know, they're getting close to a billion dollars. Now, whether, as Howard pointed out, whether that's, um, they can maintain that sort of growth. They are, um, have been, you know, uh, also increasing online sales as well. I mean, great, uh, the dividend yield is, I think it's maintainable at you know, the 7, 7.7% fully frank, which is pretty amazing. Um, so, you know, we're seeing like other uh, retailers as well, like if you look at, you know, JB Hi-Fi or, or Maya, you know, they, they've had some really good numbers. So the balance sheet is really strong for Harvey Norman. So, yeah, look, again, the chart doesn't look appealing, I've got to say, mm. looking at it, but... It's pretty hard not to want to accumulate some stock or buy. So, look, I'm, I'm going to add a buy on this one. All right. But, you know, a soft buy on it, only yep. because of the trend. But I think it could easily uh, bounce back to about uh, $4.95 uh, technically. And uh, see, it's broken below that previous lows, you can see there. But really, I think it's it's way oversold here. And it's just, a, you know, their balance sheet. Um, but the other thing is, 
Of course, the Aussie dollar being weak, you know, down to 69 cents means that you know their import costs go up. So they might, that could impact on their margins as well. So um, you know, but I, look again, I, it's a well-run business, um, and it's pretty hard not to like down here. All right, that is a double buy for Harvey Norman. Seems it's a double buy. Can I just add a couple of extra things? Sure. Um, it, 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 the fact that import costs go up because the Australian dollar goes down won't crimp their margins at all because there's nothing that they, could be replaced with that's made in Australia. So all that it means is their sale prices will go up if import costs go up, say, 10%. They'll put up their prices by 10%, which means their revenue goes up and their growth goes up. Right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was on the show and I said that retailers would do particularly well during the pandemic. Everybody thought I was nuts. And my reasoning behind it was very simple. We were spending as Australians $65 billion overseas um, by traveling overseas and spending money there. If we couldn't spend the $65 billion overseas, we were presumably going to spend a fair proportion of that here. And where were we going to spend it? Either in doing up our houses, which happened, or in retail, which happened. So it wasn't surprising that Harvey Norman did well in the pandemic. Um, we expected all the well-run retailers to do well in the pandemic, and they did. Yep. Okay. All right. That is Harvey Norman. Let's move to Instatech Pivot. It does provide fertilizer for the farming industry. Uh, now, it's got a huge uh, boost, obviously, in that sector, given what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, and how that's impacting the uh, the broader sector. And Ollie asking, is there still more upside? For IPL, it is it's just off its uh, its all-time highs at the moment, David. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll come off straight off the bat here, and I'd, I'd rate this as a buy actually because of the business it's in, fertilisers. I mean, phosphate. They're <clears throat> certainly explosives. Um, you know, there's a high demand. Plus, it's not a, a, on an undemanding multiple. The only thing is that their return on equity hasn't been great, but it's been below ten percent. But I think the, the dividend yield here, if that's maintainable, that's, that's quite, I mean, if this is correct, um, it's, I've got 10%. I, can't, I don't think that's, that's um, absolutely probably accurate at this stage. But um, nevertheless, the trend is very positive here. Um, you've got 12 brokers with an average price target of $4.50. It's below that by about 14%. Um, and like I said, it's the fertilizer and explosives business. And you know, they expanded. They uh, they bought a couple. They made a couple of acquisitions, Dino Noble in the U.S. So again, with the Aussie dollar being down, that's beneficial to their earnings going forward as well. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I think they've got they've got a good, strong growth outlook here, um, in my view. And the, the trend is very positive. It's holding uh, it's holding firm up here. So I think there's more upside. For this stock, so I, I would rate this as a buy. How mm. do you agree? No, uh, you know, its return on equity for the last nine years has been less than ten percent. In fact, it's probably only averaged about six and a half, seven over the last nine years. And return on equity puts a cap on your returns. If your return on equity is no more than say six or seven percent, you can't get a twenty percent return by owning that company for the long term. So there may be a short-term trade uh, opportunity in it. It's not anything I have any expertise in. But long-term, it's not a good business. It's been over-promising and under-delivering ever since I've been watching the Australian stock market. It was always going to do well, but somehow or other never did. 
there was going to be a farming boom that was going to help them. There was going to be a mining boom that was going to help them. Um, they were going to sell a lot more explosives because of the growth in, in, in mining. But somehow or other, um, this never really seems to turn to reality. And remember, explosives are mainly used in coal mining. That's um, not used much in, in uh, some of the other mining uh, to the same extent. And coal's a bit on the nose. So, uh, But overall, the business doesn't look like a particularly high-quality business, certainly not one of the top uh, 20 or 30 you'd want in your portfolio. So mm. definitely, from a team invest point of view, nobody would be interested in this. All right. Okay. That's fairly definitive. Uh, that's Don't you how- love a market? Everybody's yeah. got a different <laughs> well, they, Absolutely. That's why you guys are here. Uh, all right. I mean, I completely disagree, by the way, with how it said about the, the you, you know, if you're a retailer and it's costing you more to increase prices and think that's going to increase consumer demand, I think you're a bit of la-la land if you're not, you know, with interest rates going up and mortgage payments going up, people tend to cut back on spending. So, you know, I don't agree with that point of view. But- all we right. shall see. All right. What, well, let's... Absolutely. So, we shall see. Yeah. Let's see how this plays out in the car market then, because that's, that's where we're going next with carsales.com. Uh, does charge its fees for sellers to list their vehicles. Uh, also for advertising space on its website and is the market leader in Australia. Uh, first half uh, revenue there grew by about 16%. Um, and Hazel, curious about Howard's take on it at these levels. Howard. Yeah, I actually own car sales. And just coming back to what we were saying about spending, the economy as a whole, if interest rates go up and people are spending more on their mortgages, yes, people as a whole spend less. But the best businesses benefit when people spend less because the worst businesses go broke. So the companies that have been making 1% and 2% return on equity and barely surviving, when their costs go up, they go broke and therefore they're out of the market. So the remaining businesses that are left behind do well. Now, I lived through about 20 years of 15% plus inflation and very high interest rates in South Africa. And the extraordinary thing right through that period was it was absolute heaven for the best businesses in their field. It was total poison for all the worst ones. So uh, the, the number of companies going into liquidation went up dramatically. But the number of companies whose earnings per share went up also went up dramatically because the survivors did very well. Um, Economy as a whole perhaps didn't. So looking at car sales, if we accept that in most of the countries that it operates in, it's the number one, the chances are it will probably do pretty well. Now, the other reason why it's likely to do well is it makes money not from the car being sold, but from the lead being sold to the car dealer. Um, That's where most of its money comes from. So if cars take longer to sell, they'll be able to probably charge more for the length of time that the people are going to be advertising on car sales before the car is finally sold. So um, I think basically very good business. It's growing well in Korea. It's starting to make money in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Um, It's uh, Uh, Some of its other Central American and South American markets are turning from losses to being closer and closer to profits. Probably not much growth in Australia. It's now going to get some growth, uh, presumably in the US, from an acquisition there. Um, But it's not a rapidly growing company. So at present prices, I mean, it's got high return on equity. It's got reasonably manageable uh, low debt. 
Um, but earnings per share aren't growing all that fast. So uh, great business, um, or at least very good business, but um, probably share price still a teeny bit high. But there have been a couple of days where it got down to being somewhere around about 18 to $19. Uh, in the 18s, it's terrific. Uh, over 20, it probably isn't. And at the moment, it's, it's somewhere around about the 20. So uh, a, a little bit expensive uh, at the moment, but uh, not much. And there was a day, I think, last week where it was viable in, in my opinion. So All right. I, I, a, a week buy, buy it on a day when the market's feeling negative. All right, weak buy, but certainly a hold because you you hold it. In fact, at the moment, fair enough. Absolutely. Uh, okay, Bad for you. Yeah, uh, David. Uh, this is not a buy <laughs> <laughs> for me. Definitely not a buy. It was a sell. Actually, is a really clear sell when it was twenty four dollars on the chart, um, and it's and it's still not a buy. Uh, the trend is weak here. Uh, their return on equity fell from you know thirty four percent to twenty four percent. It's quite a drop. They did a six hundred million capital raise. Last year, at much higher prices to to buy 49% share in a U.S. classified business uh, called Trader Interactive. Uh, it's yet to see the results of that, so I'd like to see what their next re- results look like. But um, it, it's on a 47 times earnings multiple, still expensive, and um, you know a small yield of about two and a half percent. There's nothing for me that attracts me to buy this business right now. Maybe at lower levels, mm. uh, but certainly. I would not be holding it. And this is one of the things that I've learned. How long do you want to hold a stock for? You could be holding it for years and missing out on opportunities of other yep. stocks going up. Hmm. So that's what I've learned. The timing is everything, is what I've learned in my nearly 40 years in the markets. And But if people want to hold it when it goes down, that's up to them. It's really how long you want to hold it for is up to you. Yep. Well, as you say, a market, you have buyers and sellers, and that's what you two are at the moment on that stock. All right, let's uh, sum up where we've been. A bit of diversity in opinion, which is good. Uh, We like that. So we began with our stock of the day. Goodman Group, uh, a hold from David, um, uh, saying uh, yield not great. Uh, Howard, uh, best company in the sector, he says. It is a buy. All right, to our first stock, as picked by you, that was Event Hospitality and Entertainment. They've got the cinema chains uh, there. Howard's saying, not a great business, no. And David, a great property portfolio, points out. He's got a hold on it. Blackmore's, the health supplements uh, company. Uh, David's saying, obviously, there's a bit of a problem there with China, given what's going on there, lagging growth. Uh, and uh, it's uh, a hold um, to at least uh, 70, perhaps, when uh, you'd consider it. Uh, Howard there does own it, bought it at $20. It's currently at 70 he has a hold on it. Uh, to Harvey Norman, the retailer, this is where we've got agreement. A double buy or a soft buy from David, a strong buy there from Howard. Uh, saying, he's saying the numbers look terrific. Uh, David's saying it looks a little oversold at these levels. Instatech pivots. Uh, David saying a positive trend. He's got a buy on it, whereas Howard disagrees. He's saying it's over-promising and under-delivering and has done so for years, so a big no from him. And then car sales, once again, no agreement here. Howard's got, he owns it. He's got a, a weak buy on it, uh, certainly a hold. And David's saying weak trends there. It is a definite sell. All right, well, let's catch up with where our portfolio stands. We are tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of that meeting is live here to watch on ausbiz.com. So let's uh, take a look. Tabcorp, Domino's, Ardent Leisure and Tyro were added to the portfolio this month, shifting the original allocations and cash holding size. 
So far, the fund down just over 6.5% on a cumulative return basis since its inception at the beginning of March. So keep sending in your requests, keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Our next five, Coles, Dicadata, Adbri, Grange Resources and Hub24. Well, let's begin with Coles. Uh, it is, of course, the supermarket chain and, uh, well, call it consumer staples. Uh, we all need to eat. Howard, how do you rate Coles? And I guess particularly when it's competitors such as Woolies and Metcash. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're not going to lose a great amount of money by being invested in Coles because everybody's going to continue buying at supermarkets. So, uh, you know, at a time when people are worried about markets going down, it's maybe not a bad place to be. Um, I'm not particularly excited about it. Uh, It's it's got very high debt, mainly because of all its leases. But uh, times of high inflation are actually very good for supermarkets because providing they putting up their prices roughly equal to the food inflation. In nominal terms, their revenue goes up and their earnings per share goes up. Of course, in real terms, it's going nowhere because that's just caused by inflation. But in nominal terms, their earnings per share goes up and over time, therefore, their share price goes up. But um, of the two, I think I prefer Woolworths to Coles. It's on a PE of 24, which for a company that's got very little growth in earnings, is a bit on the rich side, and usually, if you look through history, uh, consumer staple stocks usually have PEs of less than 20. So that makes it a little bit uh, expensive, which is, I suppose, what this graph shows. Mm. Uh, the time to mm. buy it would have been somewhere around about January, February, uh, looking at that. Um, so, uh, not a company Team Invest members would normally be excited about, but um, it's certainly not going to do terrible things to you if you owned it. Okay. So, a bit of that from me. Yep, no. All right. Okay, David? Yeah, I wouldn't be a, a buyer up here. It's, uh, it's got what they call on the chart major technical uh, resisting resistance selling level. It's been up here three or four times. There's been a lot of selling. Uh, it is fully valued up here. Look, the return on equity is quite good on Coles. And, you know, they've got a very strong balance sheet um, after the demerger of West Farmers as well. So, the, you know, they've got, um, you know, a reasonable yield of 3.3%. Um, and uh, healthy cash flow. I mean, 88% of the group sales are the supermarkets and then they've got the liquor, of course, um, which is a small segment. So it's really the supermarket business. But they didn't give any earnings guidance after the half-year report, so they've been tight-lipped about that. Mm. Um, so if you've got it, you'd probably, if you bought it at lower levels, you know, uh, and I did, when I looked at this, I thought $16 in January was a fantastic buy, because, but uh, you could hold it if you bought it at that level for the... You know, you're getting a very good yield from that price point, uh, but I certainly wouldn't be buying it up here and it'd just be a hold if you've got it. All right. Okay. That's Cole. So, uh, no, at this point. Dicadato is our next one. It is the uh, IT distributor. 
and uh, the last 12 months uh, shares uh, have accelerated around uh, 35%. However, year to date, it's down around 16 or 17%. Um, so, David, what are your thoughts on ticker data? Um, <clears throat> look, I'm, I'm not. The, the return on equity is great, but um, it's been it's very steady. Um, you know, they're um, obviously you know they've been a leading um, retailer of um, you know uh, hardware, software products. You know, with, um, Cisco, Dell, Hewlett Packard, Microsoft. So they've been 44 years' experience as a as a major distributor of those products. Um, so they've got you know a solid network there uh, of products to distribute. Right now, supply constraints is having some impact on the business. Um, look, it's at, trading at a multiple. Um, I guess given the return on equity, it's not. You know, you could argue whether it's. This, I don't think it's expensive here, um, given it's. Uh, it's mostly an online retailer as well. Uh, they're two point. To, like looking at that chart, also. Also, this has been going sideways. You can see. So this is a great trading stock, actually. It's a, to me, it's a buy down here, uh, just given the trend is sideways and it's been going sideways like that for at least uh, a year. And um, yeah, so there's there's predictability in the trend here. So I, I do like I like it here. I think it's not expensive. Uh, it's got a um, a reasonable yield as well from the last time I looked. I was just having a look at it, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, look, I, I don't mind it here and it's going sideways in the channel there. You can see. So I'd expect to bounce here back up to those highs again. All right, let's see if Howard agrees. Yeah, funnily enough, I think we've got agreements on this one. Um, <laughs> you know, it's got, as David said, it's got exceptionally high return on equity. I mean, it's uh, all, since it listed in 2013, its return on equity has been over 30% per year every year. Its earnings have been growing at about 20% a year. Its sales have been growing at about 14% a year. Um, which probably means earnings uh, are getting a little bit of extra kicker from the fact that they're doing bigger volumes, so there's economies of scale. Um, you know, the uh, P is not particularly high, seeing as the price has come down a little bit while the earnings have been rising. And, um, you know, altogether, it looks like debt's low, uh, or relatively low. Looks like a terrific business altogether. I should mention, by the way, that uh, in terms of full disclosure, that I'm a director of Tip Group uh, Limited, which owns a share in uh, multimedia technology, which are also distributors of the same sort of thing and a competitor of Decadata. So I'm actually in the process here of saying that this particular competitor, much like our company in, um, called Multimedia Technologies, they're very well run. Both of those businesses are really well run and growing within the industry. All right. So, yeah, Zip, so it's a buy. Yeah. Yep. Okay. There's a vote of confidence for Dicker Data. All right. We'll move on to uh, to Adbrae. Uh, now, this is the uh, the cement producer, obviously hit in that sector by the supply contra- uh, constraints we're seeing globally at the moment, particularly as exacerbated by what's going on in Ukraine. Um, and also, I guess you've got to consider what's going on in the construction sector and the, the likely outcome there. So, Howard, what are your thoughts on Adbrae? Well, interestingly, we've had a construction boom going on for many years now. I mean, it's had a couple of little hiccups along the way. But overall, we've had booming uh, road construction, booming big building construction, all the sort of things that should be good for Adbrai. And yet its return on equity has been steadily dropping. Its earnings are 
about a third less today than they were 10 years ago, and we've had inflation in between. Um, and uh, therefore, uh, you know, there's nothing about this business that would make you enthusiastic about owning it. If it can't do well when there's years and years of construction boom, I hate to think what it would do when there's a period of time that there's a construction bust. So uh, a definite no from, from a team invest perspective. Mm, well, you lays it out. That's definitive. So, David? Yeah, look, I've got to agree uh, with Howard on this one. I can't get too excited about it as well. Um, you know, look, it's a steady earn dividend yield around 4% if you're looking for that fully frank. Um, but, you know, look, it's been, hasn't been shooting the lights out in terms of growth. It's not overly expensive. Um, and, you know, looking at the chart as well, um, you know, it's just been, you know, unimpressive. It's just been going sideways here to nowhere, really. In fact, if you look over the last two, three years, it's really been going nowhere. Mm. So it's not, it's certainly not a growth business from what I can... So if you've been holding it for those, all those years, just holding out for you know, the hope that it's going to go higher, what, what do you do at this point then? Do you just well, simply say well, that's it? Well, I would switch to um, maybe go to look, um, you know, if you, if you want to stay in that sector, maybe Brickworks might be the uh, one that you want to look at. Um, but look, I, <clears throat> I'm not, you know... I'm focusing on more my philosophies. I'm looking for businesses that are, have strong growth, strong mm. earnings growth, return on equity, and paying out dividends. And um, we're going to about to talk about one of my biggest holdings, the, the next stock. But uh, you know, with this one, look, if you're happy just for the yield, you can hold it. But um, if you're looking for growth, I would not. I'd be selling and looking for other stocks in other sectors. Um, you know, preferably there. Yeah, you know, if you're looking for growth, look in the Again, if you want to look in the energy sector, is one area that's certainly growing strong, but that's volatile depending on the oil price. And or healthcare. Healthcare is another sector that I think has got better growth than you know concrete uh, in this case. So, um, but if you just want the dividend, it's paying a reasonable dividend. Certainly better than leaving your money in the bank. Yeah, that's for sure. Okay, but it's not a growth business. Yeah. All right. Uh, both unimpressed with Adbri then. Okay. Let's see. We've got agreement for the past three stocks. Let's see if that will continue with a favourite of David's Grange Resources, the iron ore pellet and magnetite producer last year. In fact, that share price surging uh, around 170%, um, seeing some strong gains this year as well, but it has come off with the the broader market. Uh, So, Kayla, wondering, David, are you still buying Grange? I've got a lot of them in, you know, I bought them uh, in October 2020 at 25 cents. Right. So I'm up at least, <laughs> at least four, five hundred percent on the share price and also on dividend. I mean, look, the company paid out three dividends in the last nine months of 22 cents per share, fully franked. So this is on a yield of 18 percent fully franked. Now, it's, it is a magnetite, high premium magnetite pellet iron ore producer out of Tasmania. Um, I've been a shareholder for, for a number of years, but this is, this is the one that ticks every single... Now, of course, you've got to beware because it's a one-trick pony here. It's only got one co- what leverage to one commodity being iron ore. Now, iron ore, as you know, last year was incredibly volatile. We saw it go up to $230 US a tonne and then collapse to 90 Now the iron ore price has rallied back to about 130 131 US. But with the Aussie dollar at 69 I mean, you know, if you just look at the last, the March quarterly report on Grange, I mean, the, you know, they're getting a margin of t- nearly 200% on their product. It's incredible. 
Uh, now that's obviously come down a little bit because the this iron ore price has softened. But with the iron ore price where it is, that's the big question here. I mean, you know, if China comes out of lockdown here, and we hopefully soon, that might reignite, you know, they're going to reignite their economy and go into spending. Might it reignite, um, you know, the demand for steel, of course, mm -hmm. and therefore iron ore. But look, in this sector, this has been a bonanza for um, any iron ore producer, particularly high premium iron ore like, like uh, Grange. Plus, they're open pits, so they're, you know, if you're looking down the track, they've got, they're going to underground um, mining at some point in the next two, three, four years, probably in the next three years. Now, when you go to underground, there's no strip mining costs, so their margin will increase even more. So that takes away any stripping costs. And then you've got the South Down project, which is 90 kilometres from Albany, and that's a project of 30, 35 years, and that's $1.2 billion high, um, again, high premium iron ore project. They've got 70% on. Now, they're looking for a partner for that. Um, they've got Mitsubishi as the other partner, but they're looking for somebody to take, come in and take a probably a 30% equity in it. Uh, they could fund it themselves if they wanted to, um, but it is a 1.2. Now, that would double, triple their production in the future. But look, no one's got a crystal ball on where the iron ore price is going to... But is this a buy? Um, look, I, it's already, I'm already heavily weighted. Mm. And, and I mean, you know, there's another, you know, there's another company, a small one, Fenix, F-E-X. I mean, you look at the, the cash flow that company's generating, uh, unbelievable, you know, and plus... Grange is the $1.4 billion market cap, will have close to half a billion dollars in cash and receivables this quarter, at the end of this quarter. So that's over a third of their market cap in cash. Mm. And, you know, they're going to make three to $400 million profit. I mean, that's on a PE of three and 18% fully frank. Now, they'll, you know, they've got a policy of paying out 20, at least 25% of net profits. So why would you sell this? This is, this would still be a buy, but I like I said, You've got to weight your portfolio because, again, you're leveraged to the iron ore price and the volatility in the price. All right. Interesting. Um, a buy then, even at these levels. Absolutely. So, Howard, uh, David's laid it out for us. Do you agree? Well, um, David certainly knows this company a, a lot better than I do. It's not one we've ever looked at in any great depth. I've done exceptionally well, as most Team Invest members have, on mineral resources. I bought mineral resources at about $3 to $5, I think $5.50 uh, was the highest I paid in, in a period of time. And that's now somewhere around about uh, 45 or something or other, so I've done exceptionally well. But this one seems to have done equally well and for the same reason. But as David, put, and that's that the iron ore price has gone up so much, but as David points out, nobody really knows where the iron ore price is going. And while on the one hand, as China opens up, that will in the short term I would expect push up the iron ore price. In the longer term, besides the one we're all very aware of that China's developing iron ore resources in West Africa, they're also developing some in Mongolia and also some in Kazakhstan. And I think long term China has made up its mind that it wants to be as free of needing to buy iron ore from Australia as it can get. And you know, when they put their minds to things and start putting some effort into it, and the advantage of Kazakhstan and Mongolia is it can be trained uh, or road tracked through into China so they don't have the worry about seaborne routes that in times of trouble could perhaps be a problem to them. So um, I think in the long term, all our iron ore producers have 
things to worry about. But in the short term, as Grange Resources, uh, on the little I can see, uh, looking at my 10-year worth of numbers here, it looks absolutely fantastic. And what David said sounds terrific. So uh, uh, it, it looks to me like a, a, a buy, but it's not a company I know much about. All right. Okay. But that is a double buy, which is pretty impressive given where it's at at the moment. All right. We better be quick with the last one. That is Hub24. Kim wanting to know about this. One of the larger fintechs there, SMSF and portfolio management software company. It's incorporated class. Uh, into its uh, portfolio. Howard, Hub24. Yeah, numbers generally look good. The return on equities dropped below 10%, earnings per share growing, debt's low, but it's on an astronomic PE of about 66. Now, we always look at trailing PE, not forward PE, because you never know for sure what the E is going forward. But on a trailing PE of 66, it's in a range that every team invest member would look at it and say, must be crazy. Uh, don't mind putting it on my watch list for if it gets really cheap. But at the moment, it looks absurd. So a no from me. All right. Take absurd. All right, David. Yeah, look, I can't, I can't be uh, jumping into this one. Yeah, they've had gro- growth, strong growth in funds management business and their platform. Uh, is, is fantastic, being used by a lot of advisors, uh, so it's very popular. For, but it's not translating to the bottom line. And then half-year profit, I think it was $8 million on a $2 billion. I just showed you a company hmm. that's $1.4 billion and, and making three to $400 million profit. So why would I want to buy this one? Uh, just, <laughs> you know, with, with no dividend yield. It's like, you know, a high PE, so it's, it's a no for me. All right. Well, that was definitive as well. In fact, you guys were pretty much in agreement for those past five stocks. Let's review where we've been then. Uh, Coles, uh, the supermarket uh, giant, uh, Howard not excited by it, uh, but saying, you know, in an inflationary period, it can benefit, prefers Woolies though, but it's a no, also a no from David Chart telling him uh, not at these levels at least. Ticket data, um, David saying has been in a sideways trend. Nonetheless, he's got to buy on it, as does Howard. Uh, Adbri, the cement producer, uh, Howard pointing out uh, earnings there. Weak, it's a no. Uh, David saying unimpressive chart. He'd probably look at Brickworks if you want to, if you like anything in that sector at this point. Grange Resources. Um, and uh, David's been a huge fan. In fact, he, he's done very well out of it, uh, looking at margins there in the past of about 200%. Uh, but you still got to buy on it, even at these levels. And Howard is also impressed by it. And finally there, Hub24, um, well, Howard's saying absurd uh, at the price at these levels. No. And David pointing out, uh, you know, poor dividend there. No uh, on Hub24. All right. So that is our show for today. Uh, Howard, thanks very much for joining us at Team Invest. Pleasure, as always, and uh, have a good week. David, you too. You too, Howard. Yeah, you've done well with a couple of buys today. And uh, David, likewise. Thank Thanks you. for joining us on Wealthwise. My pleasure. Thank you very much. All right, any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email, uh, call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us at TV. And a reminder, where to find the stocks we have in the calls portfolio, you can head to ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 